my God and I go in the field together. We walk and talk as good friends should and do. We clasp our hands, our voices ring with laughter. My God and I walk through the meadows here. We clasp our hands, our voices ring with laughter. My God and I walk through the meadows here. He tells me of the years that went before me, when heavenly plans were made for me to be. When all was but lesson from Pastor Izzy Manzo. Our prayer is that today's lesson will spiritually feed and uplift you. Now, here's Pastor Izzy. Well, guys, would you grab your Bibles and turn to 2 Corinthians to the end of chapter 3. Paul is teaching the church. Now, this is the church he planted, remember, on his second missionary journey. So he knows these folks. He's invested in them. He led them to Christ. He spoke into their lives for a year and a half. And then the Lord called him to continue on in his missionary journeys. And now he's writing back to them, addressing things that they had questions about, that they had written to him about. Paul used the example, Exodus 34, the story about Moses. When Moses went up on the mountain and he met with the Lord, it says he saw the glory of the Lord burning in a bush. What happened to Moses's face when he came down from the mountain? How did it look? Bright. He was shining with the glory of the Lord reflecting from his face. People that spend a lot of time with the Lord 
it changes their countenance. It changes something about them. They tend to have a radiance to their being, a light. Sometimes people will even say this to you, boy, you have such a glow. Whenever someone is expressing that, they're keying in on something about your countenance. And your countenance simply can be a reflection of the time you have spent with the Lord. As you spend time with Him, He purifies us and He takes those dark, sinful areas and exposes them to His light. And whenever you expose any of our sin to His light, it gets washed away. What does light do to darkness? Causes it to disappear. Drives it away. And it even drives it away in your very being. The more time you spend with the Lord, the more that light begins to kind of radiate from you. Some people say, well, I never had that happen to me. How much time you spend with the Lord? It seems like it's a direct relationship. And Paul, now he's writing to the church in Corinth. And Paul knows that these people are in a spiritually dark place. And Paul knows that this little church, even though they're not a big church, he knows that they are in a really dark spot. So all they need to do is shine. Shine just a little. Let the glory of the Lord shine from them, and people are going to be able to spot the light. And Paul is now going to tell us more about this source of this light. And he's going to key in on it. Now, he said that Moses experienced this taste of light when he spent time in the presence of the glory of the Lord. But when he came down from the mountain, he'd speak to the people about what God said, and then he would cover his face with a veil. Even to this day, to the Jewish people, when the word of the Lord is read, there's a veil that remains over their face. They don't see it. Whenever a person turns to the Lord, verse 16, that veil is removed. It is taken away. The veil is only taken away in Christ. Because as Paul is now describing the removing of the veil and the way being open into that holy place, What's so significant about that? Why should we care if that veil is taken away? Why should we care that there's an opening into the holy place? Because Paul's saying that's the where we're supposed to go. We got to get in there. We got to get our little faces into that holy place. Because he knows what's going to happen to us, to our countenance, if we do. 2 Corinthians 3.16, whenever a person turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now, the Lord is spirit. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Now, behold, we with unveiled faces, behold, as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord, we are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the spirit. We have God's spirit gifted to us now as believers, and we get to see him as like in a mirror. That reflection, Paul's starting to use examples that we can grasp with our mind, that glory of the Lord reflecting. Chapter 4, verse 1, Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, don't let us lose heart. But we have renounced the things which are hidden because of shame, not walking in craftiness or adulterating the word of God, but by the manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those that are perishing. Sometimes you're going to talk to someone and they're going to go, I don't get it. This is a big mystery. I can't even see what you're talking about. I got you a clue right here. If it's veiled to them, then they're perishing. That's what Paul says. 
Do you think any of the people around the Corinthian church were perishing? Do you think Paul knew that some of these believers were going to have a hard time with the fact that maybe even their own aunt or their own uncle didn't get it? They'd be like, well, I don't get what you're talking about, nephew. I don't see it. Paul says, there's a veil. He says, in whose case the God of this world has blinded their minds and of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. They don't see that glory of the Messiah. Now, Paul goes on to say one of the most remarkable lines, verse 5. You might want to highlight this or underline it. For we do not preach ourselves, but rather Christ Jesus as Lord, and ourselves as bondservants, bondslaves, for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, light shall shine out in the darkness, is the one that has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. But we, we have this treasure in earthen vessels, so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not of ourselves. And Paul just said this. He said, not that it's of ourselves that we have this power. Where's the source of power? The Lord. We're just vessels that God's channels his spirit through. And well, what did Paul say to them? For God who said, light shall shine out of darkness, is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Where is it revealed? In the face of Jesus. Pastor Chuck Smith, when he was alive, his favorite hymn was, Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Favorite hymn? Wonder why. Here's this mature pastor I looked up to telling me this is it. Turn your eyes to Jesus. Look full. Look full in his wonderful face. Too much stuff in our society, too many weird, crummy doctrines of men have crept into the church and wove themselves into spirituality that take their eyes off of turning to the source we need to turn to. We only need to turn to Jesus. We need to look at him, and when we do, that's when he changes us. That's when we get transformed. Paul's saying, just look at him. He'll transform you. And by the way, people start to say things like, wow, you got a shiny aura. You have a bright light. You have such a glow, such a peace, a countenance. They have all sorts of labels. I don't care what they label it, as long as they're starting to recognize that there is a light of some kind. Maybe they can't describe it in biblical terms. Don't worry about that. Because what all you have to do is say, oh, I see you're spiritually perceptive. You know where that light is? That's Jesus. He's the light that has lit up my path. He's the light that lights up my face. He lights up my life. He forgave me my sins when I'm just a stinking sinner. But he's a really great savior. And when we let God do that in us, well, then we have a huge shift in our lives. If you don't realize this, for Paul to say what he said in verse 5, for him to actually say these words is mind-boggling. The only reason I say this is, Paul, a Pharisee of Pharisees, okay? One of the religious high mucky mucks of Judaism. 
he says to the church at Corinth, we don't preach ourselves. Here's this guy who founded the church and says, I don't preach myself or Timothy or the guys with me ourselves as anything. We don't preach ourselves, but rather we preach Christ Jesus as Lord. Not us as Lord. We're not the Lord over you. No man is to be Lord over you. Only Christ is to be Lord over you. Us, we're just bond slaves, bond servants of Christ. We're just here to serve you. How can we help serve? If you go to a church and the minister doesn't have that attitude that, how can I serve you? Maybe you should run. If he wants you to serve him, oh, I'm glad you're here. Now you can serve me. I'm not saying you can't come alongside the minister and help be a servant in the body. But if the man at the top is going, serve me, it's wrong. Because Jesus said, even I didn't come to be served. I came to serve and give my life as a ransom for many. Now, if you know Matthew 23, when Jesus rebuked the Pharisees, I, I don't know if you guys remember this story, but this part is so sweet. I could just see if Paul was still in his old mindset of being a religious high mucky muck that everyone's got to listen to. Jesus had a few words to those kind of guys. In Matthew 23, verse 1, Then Jesus spoke to the crowds and to his disciples. He said, The scribes and the Pharisees have seated themselves in the chair of Moses. And therefore, all that they tell you to do and observe, well, do it. But do not do according to their deeds. For they say things and do not do them. The old do as I say and not as I do. You thought that was something just made up? That's right from here. The words of Jesus. The guys who are the do as I say, not as I do, happen to be the religious high mucky mucks of their day called the Pharisees and the scribes. And Jesus says such a nice compliment about these fellows. He said in verse 4, They tie up heavy burdens and they lay them on men's shoulders. But they themselves are not willing even to lift so much as a finger. In Hebrew, it's this, a pinky. I wouldn't even help with a pinky of effort to help you. I'm going to make your burden so heavy. They were the ones that put these burdens on other men. And Jesus said, but look at them. They do all their deeds to be noticed by men. They broaden their phylacteries, the little boxes that held the scriptures that they had on the bands on their arms and their forehead. They lengthen the tassels of their garments, and they love the places of honor and the banquets and the chief seats of the synagogues and the respectful greetings in the marketplaces being called rabbi, teacher, by men. But Jesus said, Don't be called rabbi, for there's only one that's your teacher, and you all, you're all brothers. And don't call anyone on earth father, for there's one that is your father, that is he who is in heaven. I was raised a good Italian Roman Catholic. And you know what we had to call the priest? Father. Did anyone not read the Bible? I mean, this is the first book of the New Testament. It says, don't call any man father. There's only one father, and that's your heavenly father. And that's supposed to call the priest father. But we're told it's just a tradition. Should I go with the words of Jesus on this one, or should I go with what tradition says? See, this is how I get in trouble a lot. You're too literal. If it's Jesus speaking, yes, I am. Sorry, but I found he's the guy I'm sticking with. He's the only one that said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one gets the Father except through me. 
Now, either he was full of malarkey or he was calling it like it is, and he's the only way. And I choose to follow him because he is the only way. Now, he says, don't be called leaders, for there's only one that is your leader, and that is Christ. But you, the greatest amongst you, you are to be servant. And whoever exalts himself shall be humbled, but whoever humbles himself shall be exalted. We all like to be exalted. It's just part of our being. We like the accolades. We like everyone to look up. Wow, they're so great. Put us up on the pedestal. You want that position? Jesus says, humble yourself. You want to be great in my kingdom? Learn to be the servant of all. We sang that today. If you want to be great, in God's kingdom, learn to be the servant. You know, what I like about that song, it says learn to be. It's learnable. Some of us just need a little schooling, more education on how to serve. Do you know, our society isn't good at helping serve others. We want people to serve us. We want it all our way. Everyone serve us. But for educational purposes, if you want to be great in God's kingdom, I found out there's a line that you can use. I learned it in the oddest of places, in a restaurant from a waitress. When she walked up, she goes, how can I serve you today? And of course, we expected her to serve us because we were the paying patrons and she was just the hired help. And the Lord spoke to my heart, why don't you use that line when you talk to people as the pastor? Well, I'm not the hired help. I'm the pastor. Oh, really? Aren't you trying to be great? What are you supposed to do? Be a servant of all. So if you want to be great, then um, why don't you learn this line, son? How can I serve you today? So if you ever had me say that to you, just know I learned it from God through a waitress when she asked it to us at the table. And God went, that's what I desire of you. Be a servant. Now see, whenever you do that, you get to start to be used to the Lord. He'll make divine appointments for you. How many like to pray for people when they're sick? You don't mind doing that. It's one of those things that when we're willing to be used, when you just say, Lord, I'll do what you want, send me, he'll use you. And people think that stuff, oh, that was back in the Bible days only. It doesn't happen today. Is that true? No, it's not true at all. God's spirit is still at work today. My daughter calls me from somewhere. She's out running around with her friends. She goes, Dad, my hip is really hurting. Her hip went out, and she just really hurt her. Well, all I can do is pray for where I am. When she came home, I said, let me pray for you. And I put my hand on her and prayed for her. Now, she didn't tell me this. She goes, but when you did that, I felt this heat, tingly thing. I'm so used to it happening, I don't even think about it anymore. I'm telling you about the first time when it happened. Now it's just like old hat. I just go, okay, do your stuff, Lord. But I know it's not the source of power, me. The source is him. I just go, use me. And I put my hand on her, and she said she felt it. And then she went to YWAM, and they had the kids there, and they prayed over her, and she felt it even more strong. And she was bouncing all around all night long, and she said, it didn't even hurt. And I go, of course. No big deal. I mean... We're talking about God Almighty, okay? I'm just putting it in perspective. It's kind of exciting it happens for my own daughter. I mean, every pastor wants her own kids to experience the things of the Lord. But it's even more exciting that it wasn't just me that he touched her by. He touched her just with me, and then 
followed up with those guys over at YWAM. And I think God is still touching people. I don't want you to go away from here thinking that he used to have power. He used to do stuff. But he doesn't do that anymore. That's baloney. The God I serve is still alive today. Jesus is still resurrected. And if you'll seek him, his glory, guess what? He'll start using you. And it's exciting to be a privilege, a conduit for God's spirit to pass through you. Amazing Grace Kona thanks you for listening to today's lesson. You can listen to today's lesson or any of the radio lessons on iTunes titled Celebrate the Lord or at our podcast site, CelebrateTheLord.org. And if your travels take you to Kailua Kona on the Big Island of Hawaii, come visit us. We meet Sunday mornings, 9 a.m. on the beach at the north end of the old Kona Airport. For more information on Amazing Grace Kona, go to our church website at AmazingGraceKona.com Amazing Grace Kona is the original Calvary Chapel Kona.